This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. It's Thursday, January 4th, 2024. I'm John Trout, and coming up on America in the Morning. The biggest Republican delegation to the southern border visits Eagle Pass. America is at a breaking point. I'm Clayton Neville. Former Presidents Bill Clinton and Donald Trump are mentioned in newly unsealed Jeffrey Epstein-related court documents. I'm Jeff McKay in Washington. Donald Trump is asking the Supreme Court to do something it's never done. Sagar Megani, Washington. An investigation is underway after a shooting outside a New Jersey mosque. I'm Jennifer King. On Wall Street, no Santa Claus rally for stocks for the first time in eight years. A sell-off yesterday. I'm Jessica Edinger. Four children died in a fire that broke out in a two-family home in Summers, Connecticut. I'm Julie Walker. All ahead on America in the Morning. During a trip to the southern border, Republican lawmakers said the U.S. immigration system has reached its breaking point. Correspondent Clayton Neville reports the White House is insisting a surge in migration can be slowed by Congress. A delegation led by House Speaker Mike Johnson included 64 House Republicans representing 26 states and a territory. The lawmakers visited Eagle Pass in the Del Rio sector of the southern border. Congressman Jim Jordan. The country understands the magnitude of the problem, but I think there are three fundamental questions we got to ask. What's the cause? What is the true magnitude of this problem? And then what's the solution? Border officials saw more than 302,000 migrants in December, the highest monthly total on record. Congressman Tony Gonzalez said that the issue spreads well beyond the border. Our communities get turned upside down, and it's, it may start here in Eagle Pass, but then it, it, it quickly Uh, reaches San Antonio, and then it quickly reaches all over the country. Speaker Johnson said the delegation met with residents. With sheriffs, with the Texas DPS, we also toured the CBP processing facility here in Eagle Pass, and it's been an eye-opener. One thing is absolutely clear. America is at a breaking point with record levels of illegal immigration. The speaker defended Texas Governor Greg Abbott's decision to surge law enforcement to the border and tore into the Biden administration for not doing enough to secure it. The federal government, the White House, the administration refuses to do it. So if you're the governor of Texas or a border state or any governor, you have the responsibility, the right, the constitutional authority to do the right thing and secure your people. So we have applauded him. We stand with him in that resolve and any other governor who's willing to draw the line. Republicans say the president could make an immediate difference by putting policies like remain in Mexico back in place. They acknowledge the importance of border legislation getting passed, though, too. H.R. 2 is the necessary ingredient. Why? Because it has provisions that fix each of these problems, and these things work together. For example, you couldn't just reform the broken asylum process. It would be a giant loophole that would not solve the issue. Wednesday's visit to the border was the largest Republican delegation to ever make the trip. I'm Clayton Neville. Hundreds of pages of unsealed documents from a lawsuit connected to accused sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein were publicly released Wednesday. As America in the Morning's Jeff McKay reports, the list includes nearly 200 names, including some of Epstein's accusers, prominent business people, and politicians. In what is expected to be a series of releases over the next several weeks, the names of a pair of former presidents and dozens more were revealed as associated with accused sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein. 
Among the names released, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Donald Trump, along with former Senate Majority Leader George Mitchell, Britain's Prince Andrew, Harvard Law Professor Alan Dershowitz, former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak, and former CIA Director William Burns, along with the late former New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson. Other names on the list of more than 180 released by the court include Limited Brands founder and former Victoria's Secret CEO Lex Wexner and magician David Copperfield. None of the names on the list, including the two former presidents, were charged with any wrongdoing and none were charged with being clients, only as people who allegedly had contact in some sort with Epstein, and in Clinton's case, alleged to have flown more than once on Epstein's private plane. These names were all previously redacted in documents in a lawsuit brought against Ghislaine Maxwell by Virginia Giuffray, an Epstein accuser who said she was trafficked to his private island in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Maxwell was sentenced to 20 years behind bars for sex trafficking Epstein's victims. Moments after the names were released, the website listing those names crashed from overuse. I'm Jeff McKay in Washington. Donald Trump's appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. This is America in the Morning, AccuWeather.com. Meteorologist Matt Rindy has a check of the national forecast. We are noticing several events going on across the country today and tonight. There is a storm in the southern Rockies in particular that will be providing a good amount of snow through portions of southern Colorado into northern New Mexico and then continue eastward as rain and snow into Texas, Kansas, and Oklahoma. As the storm moves eastward, snow will expand into much of central and eastern Kansas with rain developing again through central and eastern Texas. Some higher elevations through these areas will get more than a foot of snow, but even in some lower elevations, there'll be some places getting a few inches with slippery travel. This storm will need to be watched for the rest of the week into the weekend with the risk of flooding and severe thunderstorms through portions of the southeast on Friday and the developing snow and ice through the middle Atlantic into the northeast Saturday into Sunday. Another system in the northwest will spread some rain along the coast from Washington southward to northern California with some snow in the Cascade Mountains and extending into the Idaho Rockies. Several inches of snow will fall today and tonight. In the northeast today, a cold front will move eastward through the region with some snow showers along it. The best chance for accumulation will be in the Appalachians from West Virginia into New England. Another cold front dipping through southern Florida will also have some showers along it. 
Meanwhile, high pressure will build in behind the system through the northern plains into the Great Lakes. With sunshine through the area, temperatures will be near or slightly above historical average. This influence continues into the southeast as well, but temperatures here will be a little bit below average. In Albuquerque, New Mexico, there'll be a mixture of rain and snow with some slushy spots today, high up to 38. It'll be a cooler day in Jacksonville, Florida, with partly sunny skies and a high of 61. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. This is America in the Morning. I'm John Trout. Remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. Donald Trump is asking the Supreme Court to do something it's never done. As Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports, the Colorado and Maine case barring the former president from the ballot is expected to quickly find its way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And Texas Senator Ted Cruz, speaking on Fox News, says he expects the justices to rule against the states. I think the one that they inevitably will take is the Colorado case, because that really goes to the heart of can you have judges preventing the voters from voting for one of the major two parties' nominees, assuming Donald Trump is the nominee. And by the way, Colorado, they're trying to take him off the primary ballot. Um, I don't think the Supreme Court, I, I, I think they're going to reverse that quite easily. I think that decision is utterly lawless. The ex-president wants the high court to review a Colorado Supreme Court ruling banning him from the state's ballot. The decision marked the first time a section of the 14th Amendment prohibiting those who engaged in insurrection was used to keep a presidential contender off the ballot. The Civil War era clause has been used so sparingly that the nation's highest court has never ruled on it. Trump's move comes a day after he appealed a ruling by Maine's top elections official that he's ineligible eligible for the state's ballot over his role in the Capitol riot. Trump remains on the ballot in both states while the appeals play out. Sagar Megani, Washington. An investigation is underway after an imam is shot dead outside a New Jersey mosque. Correspondent Jennifer King reports. New Jersey officials say Iman Hassan Sharif died after being found with multiple gunshot wounds just outside his mosque in Newark early Wednesday morning. Essex County Prosecutor Ted Stevens. Despite the valiant efforts of the hospital staff, the imam succumbed to his injuries. The Attorney General for New Jersey, Matt Platkin, says authorities are still looking for a shooter. The evidence collected thus far does not indicate that this was an act motivated by bias or an act of domestic terrorism. Sharif was in his car when he was shot more than once. Our thoughts are with the family of Imam Hassan Sharif and the members of Masjid Muhammad here in the city of York. It's unclear what led to the violence. We are going to continue to work around the clock to identify and bring to justice anyone involved. I'm Jennifer King. When we return on America in the Morning, what's behind Ford's F-150 recall and Toyota's EV sales skyrocket after these messages. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. Wind power will not be able to unfurl its sails off New York's Long Island. European energy firms Equinor and BP terminated their agreement to sell power to New York State after shelving their proposed Empire Wind 2 offshore wind farm project. The company cited rising inflation here and abroad. 
higher borrowing costs and supply chain issues, but the power sale agreement for their Empire Wind One project will continue. There are already existing wind farms operating off Long Island and Massachusetts. Former developer Orsted canceled two proposed wind projects off New Jersey last year. With a look at Wall Street and more, here's CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Wall Street opens this morning after a sell-off for stocks. No Santa Claus rally for the first time in eight years. The rally period was the last five days of 2023 and the first two days of this year. Not a happy new year for the bulls so far. Bond yields were higher. The Dow fell 284 points yesterday. The Nasdaq was down 173 points. That was more than 1%. More than anything, it's sentiment and positioning, overheated, need to digest, need to cool off. That seems like the process that's underway. Yeah. CNBC's. Mike Santoli. Fed officials in December saw interest rate cuts likely this year, but the path highly uncertain, according to the minutes of the last meeting. To the extent there was a discussion about cutting rates this year, it was not a very robust, in-depth or resolute or confident discussion. Fed officials saying that they did see current policy rate at or near the peak in this rate hike cycle. CNBC's senior economics reporter Steve Leesman. The number of open jobs in the U.S. last month came in at its lowest since March of 2021. It's now about 1.4 openings for every one unemployed American. Meantime, Xerox is cutting thousands of jobs and restructuring. Shares plunged more than 10%. The company's announcing a new strategic initiative to streamline its business operations and stabilize its core print business. That plan will unfortunately result in job cuts to around 15% of Xerox's workforce and a newly shuffled executive team to lead three key initiatives, one in core print, one in global business services, and one in IT and digital services. CNBC's Dominic Chu. Ford recalling more than 100,000 F-150 pickup trucks for rollaway risks. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says the recall affects model years 21 through 23, equipped with the trailer tow max duty package. Jessica, automaker Toyota has had a good run of late. What's the backstory? Toyota sold a lot of cars, very big brand in the U.S., especially those hybrids, which are cheaper than all electric cars, and they're proven. Strong December for Toyota, and remember, it still had some chip issues that were hurting production in December of 22, so it's not a surprise that for December, Toyota's overall sales in the U.S. up 30.3%, but this is the stat that people are going to pay attention to. Toyota's electrified sales, mainly hybrid vehicles, up 63.9%. CNBC's Phil LeBeau. On today's watch list, earnings are coming from Walgreens. ADP releases its December private sector employment numbers. We find out how many people applied for unemployment benefits last week. Ford will release its December sales numbers. And the PGA Tour pro golf season opens. CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Among the stories we're covering next, a Russia-Ukraine prisoner swap. America in the Morning, back after these messages. Thanks for listening. You're with America in the Morning. Four children died in a fire that broke out in a two-family home in a Connecticut suburb. Correspondent Julie Walker has the story. The children aged five, six, 
8 and 12 were found inside the house where 11 people lived, according to officials. First Selectman Tim Keeney says he's lived in Summers his whole life, and the deaths of the four children are a tremendous loss for the town. Fire Chief John Roach says the blaze broke out at about 10.30 at night. Flames were shooting from windows in both the first and second floors. Roach says at least one person jumped from a window to escape and that fire crews had a difficult time getting inside the home because a back entrance was blocked and flames prevented entry through the front door. I'm Julie Walker. Russia and Ukraine have exchanged hundreds of prisoners of war under a deal brokered by the United Arab Emirates. Correspondent Charles de Ledesma reports. Ukrainian authorities say 230 Ukrainian prisoners of war have returned home, while Russia's defense ministry says 248 Russian servicemen have been freed from Ukrainian captivity. The ministry adds the deal was made possible thanks to mediation efforts by the United Arab Emirates. There's been no immediate acknowledgement from the UAE, though, which has maintained close business ties to Moscow throughout Russia's war on Ukraine. The massive prisoner exchange follows other such deals earlier in the war, which is nearing the two-year mark. I'm Charles Deledesma. A famous football star and his family are okay, but their Miami-area home is a different matter. Correspondent Gethin Coolbaugh has that story. Firefighters were battling a fire at the home of Miami Dolphins receiver Tyreek Hill on Wednesday afternoon, according to WSVN News in South Florida. The house, located in Southwest Ranches in South Florida, was shown with a large amount of smoke coming out of the roof as firefighters doused it with water. Hill was at Dolphins practice Wednesday as Miami prepares for its regular season finale against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday night. The Dolphins said Hill is aware of the fire and left practice. His family is out of the house and safe. I'm Gethin Coolbaugh. America in the Morning for Thursday, January 4th, 2024 is produced by Jeff McKay, senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour... Speaker Mike Johnson is leading about 60 House Republicans on a visit to the southern border. Sagar Magani, Washington. Continued concerns about escalation in the Middle East. I'm Clayton Neville. The Republican presidential field continues their uphill battle against Trump with the Iowa caucus just 11 days away. I'm John Stolnes. Japan investigators are focusing on air traffic communication after a fatal Tokyo runway crash. I'm Charles Dilavesma. Jimmy Kimmel is pushing back on accusations made by Aaron Rodgers. I'm Kevin Carr. New York City bans vendors from the Brooklyn Bridge and all city bridges. It's a public safety issue. Julie Walker, New York. Back after these messages. This is America in the Morning. AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy has your Thursday forecast. We do have a storm moving into the northwest today, and that will spread some rain along the coast from Washington southward to northern California. This storm will then move inland with some snow in the Cascades and extending into the Idaho Rockies. Several inches of snow will fall today and tonight, and there will be additional snow showers around for the day tomorrow. In the northeast today, we'll have a cold front moving through the region and some snow showers along it. The best chance for accumulation will be in the Appalachians from West Virginia into New England. 
And then another cold front dipping through southern Florida will also have some showers along it. Meanwhile, high pressure will be building in behind this system through the northern plains into the Great Lakes with sunshine through the area. We'll run just a little bit below average. And then if we look a little farther west through Montana into the Dakotas and Nebraska, there'll be a little more sunshine than clouds. And temperatures will be well above average here overall with highs in the 30s and low 40s. The storm in the southern Rockies is providing a good amount of snow through portions of southern Colorado into northern New Mexico. And then it will continue eastward as rain and snow into Texas, Kansas, and Oklahoma. As the storm continues eastward, the snow will expand into much of central and eastern Kansas with rain developing again through central and eastern Texas. Some of the higher elevations through these areas will get more than a foot of snow. But even in some lower elevations, they'll get a few inches and there'll be some slippery travel. And then we'll have to watch this storm for the rest of the week into the weekend. Now, this system is going to be powerful, and there'll be a risk for some flooding and severe thunderstorms through portions of the southeast on Friday and snow and ice through the mid-Atlantic and northeast Saturday and Sunday. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. I'm John Trout. Remember to follow us everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. The Justice Department is suing Texas over a new law that would allow police in the state to arrest migrants who enter the U.S. illegally. This comes as Speaker Mike Johnson was one of nearly 60 House Republicans who visited the southern border, demanding stronger immigration policies as a condition for more aid to Ukraine. The latest on the situation from Washington with Soccer Magani. Rather than incentivizing people to come, the president needs to deter people from entering the country. Rather than discussing amnesty with Mexico, as top uh, Biden administration officials did within the last couple of weeks, this administration should reinstate the remaining Mexico policy, as was said. Rather than expanding parole authority to an unprecedented scale, the president should obviously end catch and release and stop the abuse of our parole and asylum systems. For weeks, Johnson's insisted Republicans will not back President Biden's emergency aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and other security needs without what he calls transformational changes to border and immigration policies. It is an unmitigated disaster, a catastrophe. And what's more tragic is that it's a disaster of the president's own design. The president says his request includes ways of managing the migrant influx. Administration officials say the GOP visit is a political ploy that will do little to solve border problems. You have um, Speaker Johnson, who has been very clear where he stands on the border, right, who has uh, continues with the House Republicans to make this a political issue uh, and to put to move forward with political stunts and has blocked, has blocked. Uh, any efforts for the president to deal with the border. It's unclear if Johnson would accept a bipartisan deal Senate negotiators are working on that would unlock the Ukraine aid. What we saw today only made House Republicans more resolved to stand for sanity and the American people. And we will do it. If President Biden wants a supplemental spending bill focused on national security, it better begin by defending America's national security. Sagar Megani, Washington. Global concern is lingering around potential escalation of violence in the Middle East after an Israeli drone strike killed a high-ranking member of Hamas in Lebanon. Correspondent Clayton Neville has the latest. 
The United States says that Israel's retaliatory attacks on Gaza are impacting Hamas. They have had an effect uh, on uh, Hamas's ability to command and control itself, to resource itself, and quite frankly, to lead their troops. U.S. Security Council spokesperson John Kirby reacting to the killing of a senior Hamas leader this week. Al-Huri uh, was a noted designated global terrorist. And if he is in fact dead, nobody should be shedding a tear over his loss. Israel didn't claim responsibility for that attack, but the Hezbollah leader announced that if Israel wages war with Lebanon, the response would be limitless. Iran's president pointed to Israel for recent attacks in that country that killed more than 100 people. Meanwhile, Israeli leaders maintain they won't let up until Hamas is eliminated. Kirby was asked if that's realistic. It is absolutely an attainable goal for the Israeli military forces to... Uh, to degrade and, and defeat Hamas's abilities to conduct attacks inside Israel. They, they can, it can be done militarily. Are you going to eliminate the ideology? No. Um, and are you likely going to uh, erase the group uh, from existence? Probably not. But can you eliminate the threat that Hamas poses to the Israeli people? Absolutely. The United States confirms that Hamas used the Al-Shifa hospital as a command hub. The IDF released footage of dismantling the tunnels, which were essentially destroyed. And in the Red Sea, Yemen's Iran-backed Houthis said they had targeted a container ship bound for Israel. It's another attack in the sea and the U.S. doubling down on its pledge to respond to continued attacks if necessary. I'm Clayton Neville. Over 100 people are dead and dozens wounded in explosions during an event in Iran to honor a slain general. Correspondent Donna Warder reports the Iranian government is blaming both the U.S. and Israel for what it's calling the deadliest attack in the Islamic Republic in decades. Iranians held a mock funeral to honor General Qasem Soleimani, the head of an elite Revolutionary Guard force who was killed in a U.S. drone strike in Iraq in January 2020. A senior Iranian official is calling the blasts a terroristic attack. The explosions occurred near Soleimani's gravesite in Kerman, more than 500 miles from the capital Tehran. Soleimani is hailed as a national icon in Iran, but American officials considered him a deadly foe during the Iraq war. I'm Donna Water. With the Iowa caucuses less than two weeks away, Republican presidential candidates are trying everything they can to make up ground on the front runner Donald Trump. John Stolmas has the latest on the race from Washington. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley spent yesterday in New Hampshire speaking at a large rally in a state she feels she can steal from Trump. We are going to win. No doubt about it. Turn off your TV. These political pundits are trying to tell you what to do. And we've been on the ground and all the political pundits are going to have egg on their face when they're done with it. Haley has made up ground in New Hampshire, trailing former President Trump by 13 points in the latest St. Anselm poll yesterday, attacking his record on the economy. He put us eight trillion dollars in debt in four years. Our kids will never forgive us for that. Haley is riding some momentum. Last quarter, her campaign hauled in $24 million, a record high for her. In Iowa, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis took his own digs at the former president. I don't think Donald Trump ultimately can win an election. There are just going to be so many voters that are 
activated to come out and vote against him. And on Fox News noted Haley's recent slip up regarding slavery and the Civil War. She's had very difficult uh, time recently because her uh, she had been pumped up by liberal media, which I understand she's the liberal candidate running. Uh, and now she's come under scrutiny and she's not been able to handle basic questions that people are asking. She's not been able to defend her record. Trump will be back in the Hawkeye state on Friday, delivering remarks at a commit to caucus rally in Atlantic. Haley rolls back into Iowa on Friday as well for a series of events throughout the day. Trump picked up a number of congressional endorsements this week. Majority Whip Tom Emmer, a surprise endorser, now all top five House GOP leaders backing him. Republican Senator Tom Cotton joined in as well. Politico now reporting 18 senators endorse him too. This comes as Haley has surpassed DeSantis in 538's national polling but still trails Trump 61 to 11 percent. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie telling CNN. These guys are pretending that the race is between them. I mean, what's this, the race for second place? What's going on between DeSantis and Haley right now is the race for 2028. Christie and Vivek Ramaswamy both polling nationally at around 4%. Trump's 30-point lead in Iowa has remained unchanged with less than two weeks to go until the caucus. I'm John Stolnes. Airliner bringing earthquake relief to Japan crashes. That story and more when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Welcome back. I'm John Trout. America in the Morning continues. Japan investigators are focusing on air traffic communication and the revelation that runway warning lights were broken at the time of a fatal Tokyo runway crash. As correspondent Charles de Ledesma reports, one of those planes was bringing much-needed supplies to an area hit hard by the recent massive earthquake. Japan's transport ministry has released air traffic control communications of about 4 minutes and 27 seconds just before the crash. The transcript indicating control had given the JAL Airbus A350 permission to land on runway C, but not for the Coast Guard plane. However, according to an NHK television report, the Coast Guard pilot said he was given permission to take off. The Coast Guard said officials are verifying that claim. Police have begun a separate probe into possible professional negligence. Tokyo police say investigators are examining the debris on the runway and conducting interviews. I know it's still going. Japan's Prime Minister Fumio Kishida tells reporters this is a race against time, he says. Many people are still waiting for rescue under collapsed buildings. The narrow Noto Peninsula has added to the challenges in reaching some communities. Water, power and cell phone service are still down in some areas. Naomi Gono says she and her children got out of their house just as it came crashing down. Relief officials are handing out water, blankets, food and other supplies. Search dogs have joined military personnel and firefighters trying to find missing people, although the exact number is unclear. I'm Charles de Ledesma. 
Capitol buildings in multiple states were temporarily shut down and evacuated Wednesday because of threats. In a mass email sent to different secretaries of state, including in Kentucky, Minnesota, Mississippi, Connecticut, Georgia, and Michigan, they were told by the sender that explosive devices were placed inside their state capitol buildings. Each state then evacuated their main offices as a precaution while they were thoroughly searched. No devices were found. Georgia Secretary of State Gabriel Sterling posted on X that he was, quote, starting 2024 with a bomb threat at the Georgia State Capitol, end quote. The FBI was immediately notified and is investigating those threats. Many of us are frustrated when we can't get a cell signal while traveling. Newly deployed satellites may be beaming service to you from space in the near future. With today's tech news report, here's Chuck Palm. SpaceX launches the first set of satellites with direct-to-cell phone capabilities. From a launch on a Falcon 9 rocket on Tuesday, the first set of Starlink satellites that can beam phone signals from space directly to smartphones were put into orbit. In August of 22, Elon Musk's own SpaceX Starlinks were excited to be able to offer users with network access that was not previously able to receive cell phone signals. T-Mobile said the direct-to-cell service at first will begin with text messaging followed by voice and data in the coming years. Other wireless providers across the world, including Japan, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada's Rogers Network, will collaborate with SpaceX to launch their own direct-to-cell technologies. In a follow-up from yesterday's story, totally based in rumors of no good news, Bitcoin fell 5% to 42,600 one day after posting a two-year high of 46,000, and Ethereum dipped 6.5% to 22,000. Leave a comment at allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. America in the Morning continues with our Robert Workman and Thursday Sports. NBA, the Pacers scored 47 points in the third quarter to stop the Bucks 142-130 for their fifth consecutive victory and their fourth in five meetings against their Central Division rivals this year. Coach Rick Carlisle says Indiana got a boost from the fans. Crowd finally got going in the third quarter when we played at a level to get them going, which was great to see, and um, that was probably the key to the game. Hawks held off the Thunder, ending OKC's five-game winning streak. Pelicans took their fourth streak, cutting down the West-leading Timber Wolves. Clippers blocked out the Suns. LA has won four in a row and 13 out of 15. Rockets over the Nets. Brooklyn has dropped its last five. Jazz rallied past the Pistons in overtime. Kings outlasted the Magic in double overtime. Malik Monk had 37 off the Sacramento bench. Pelo Bancaro scored 43 in the loss for Orlando. 41 for Luka Doncic. 29 for Kyrie Irving as the Mavericks snuffed out the Blazers. Cavaliers, Knicks, Raptors and Heat win. NHL, the Devils down the Capitals. Two goals apiece for Nico Heischer, Dawson Mercer and Michael McClellan. Cloud. Maple Leafs nip the Ducks on Austin Matthews' overtime goal, his league-leading 30th of the season. The NFL Pro Bowl rosters were revealed yesterday. The NFC champion 49ers led the way with nine players, five on offense, including Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. The AFC's top team, the Ravens, had seven players led by Lamar Jackson and Justin Tucker. The Cowboys also had seven players named. The Pro Bowl games will be held in Orlando on February 4th, a week before Super Bowl 58 takes place in Las Vegas. Week 18 of the regular season begins with two games on Saturday, the Steelers at the Ravens and the Texans at the Colts. The winner of that latter game, assured of a playoff berth, five postseason spots remain open heading into the final weekend of the season. That's Thursday Sports. Thank you, Robert. When we return on America in the Morning, celebrities bickering in the Jeffrey Epstein saga. We'll explain after these messages.
This is America in the Morning. Welcome back. Football star quarterback Aaron Rodgers was sacked by Jimmy Kimmel on social media. And the reason? Comments regarding Jeffrey Epstein. Kevin Carr has the story. Jimmy Kimmel has threatened Aaron Rodgers with a lawsuit after the New York Jets quarterback suggested the talk show host was an associate of Jeffrey Epstein. The statement occurred on the sports podcast The Pack McAfee Show on Tuesday, on which Rodgers was a guest. When the subject of the then-to-be-released Epstein list came up, Rodgers had this to say. A lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't happen. All right. Within hours, Kimmel pushed back on social media, stating he had never had any contact with Epstein ever. He wrote, quote, Your reckless words put my family in danger. Keep it up and we will debate the facts further in court. This is not the first time that Rodgers and Kimmel have publicly traded barbs. Last year, in a late-night monologue, Kimmel played a clip of Rodgers on McAfee's show where the subject turned towards UFOs, conspiracy theories, and the infamous Epstein list. There's some files that have have some names on it that might be uh, getting released pretty soon. Oh. Oh. Might be time to revisit that concussion protocol, Aaron. (laughs) On Wednesday, Pat McAfee went into damage control, apologizing for the incident and offering an explanation. But I can see exactly why Jimmy Kimmel felt the way he felt, especially with his position. But I think Aaron was just trying to talk Now, did it go too far? The highly speculated about list of Jeffrey Epstein's associates was released on Wednesday evening. And while it contained a number of recognizable and high-profile people, Jimmy Kimmel was in fact not on it at all. I'm Kevin Carr. Finally today, it's become a hot-button issue in the Big Apple as New York City has evicted souvenir and food vendors from the famed Brooklyn Bridge and all city bridges, ending a bustling tourist market to ease crowding. As correspondent Julie Walker reports, there's pushback from the vendors who say they're not breaking any laws. Try to find out some kind of reasonable decision. How are we going to live? How are we going to work? How are we going to feed our family? Bridge is too small, that's true. Take care of this upstairs. And over here, leave us alone because I need to keep my job for my family. Just before Mayor Eric Adams had the vendors evicted, he defended the move. It's a public safety issue. People were jumping over the bridge onto the bike path because we came to a blockage. The Brooklyn Bridge's elevated pedestrian walkway had become overrun with vendors. One dollar, one dollar, dollar, what a dollar, what a Add in tourists and New Yorkers like Robert Fernandez were jockeying for space. The congestion isn't there at the choke points and uh, where you have to stop and you know, try to maneuver to get around people. But there was still a small bottleneck when the ban went into effect. The cause? Tourists taking pictures in front of the no-vending signs. You can't have a bridge lined up on both sides with vendors selling all sorts of items, and it created this bottleneck. So you needed an an emergency egress to get off the bridge. People would have trampled over each other. Julie Walker, New York. America in the Morning for Thursday, January 4th, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay, senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. 
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.